This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Hopefully, everybody's having a great day. It's a stressful day for a lot of a lot of people out there, Dave. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I think this day is met with, uh, it's not always met with a lot of joy. I think there's some stress and, uh, you know, some angst that accompanies it often. I have to say I'm really blessed in that regard that my wife is not super sentimental about those things. So you didn't, that's your way of saying, I didn't get her anything. No. I mean, I'll stop and get some, maybe I'll stop and get some roses or something. But I mean, I, I guess I they'll know. be cheaper today than they normally are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get ready right. to pay a premium. Right. Well, and like I said, uh, I think I told this story before that my wife forgot our anniversary one time. Yeah. So, so you've got some you got some credit yeah, built like, up. Well, <laughs> also I'm like she's not super sensitive about those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, every year at Christmas time, I make a card like a little kid. Yeah. I I draw like a Christmas tree with different colors. <laughs> of course you do. One of my little cartoons and that's, that's You put what thought bubbles on it. Or so. I go the over the top and this is a Seinfeld thing. You know, remember he uh, he gets a, a card and the, the lady's like Oh, he threw it in the trash. Yeah, he threw it in yeah. the trash and she, he's like it's not like you wrote that. I mean, you signed your name, yeah. but you didn't write that. He's so practical. Yeah. So uh yeah, she's not very sentimental about that, but I do if I don't have the time, Bob, to uh, actually draw out a card um, I will uh, go get the corniest, sappiest one that you can possibly get. That's become kind of a contest between her and I. So it's not meant to be funny, but it ends up being kind of funny. Yeah, because yeah. it's so corny and over the top. <laughs> Syrupy so, sweet. Yeah, tell us about uh, on the on the text line. Yeah, <laughs> what about their, their uh, yeah, t- Valentine's us, Day adventures? Give us, give us your, uh, your experiences and whatnot and... Uh, are you sappy, or do you want to send a message to somebody? Well, and Lefko just spent the whole morning talking about how much he loved us, and you know, Happy Valentine's Day to us. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, a lot of love coming from him. You're Thanks. welcome for all Thanks, the gifts. Mike. Yeah, Mike, I, I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> he's, he looks like he's feeling awkward now. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. This is taking a uh, turn here. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, you guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. I hope your Valentine's Day is going well, and everybody in your life is happy with whatever's happening, whatever the plan is. Uh, this hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. Coming up in the show, it is Tuesday, which means Mark Schlereth will join us today at 3 o'clock. It could be his last, can we say that, is it his last appearance for the season? Or maybe he'll join us again? What do we... I mean. You can beg him to see if he still wants to come on every week. Uh, I'm not above begging him. All right. I'll ask him. Yeah, we might. We'll maybe see what we can get, wrangle out of him. Maybe we get near the draft or something like that. We can ask him a couple of questions or something like that. It's kind of like, you know, we have, uh, you know, I texted with Big Ray last night. You know what he said? The nicest thing. And this is my Valentine's from Ray. He said, I love coming on your show. Love Aww. coming on your show. So for both of us, Bob, that's a, a little, and, and Lefko, a Valentine's shout out from Ray Roberts. Well, we love Big Ray right back. Yes, we do. We love having him on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe Mark will, will come on again, you know, before next football season. It'd be good to talk to him. And I think, I don't know if I got to talk to Adam, but Adam sent us that picture. Our buddy Adam Ray was down there in Arizona. Yeah. And I don't know where he hooked up with Schlereth, but he sent a picture of the two of them, you know, arms around each other, posing, and he said, 
something about Schlereth coming to Seattle when Adam's here doing his shows. I don't oh. know if he was kidding. Okay, so I haven't talked to Adam yet, but maybe maybe Mark will be in town. That'd I don't be know. great. We'll get him. Uh, get maybe we can get a hookup with tickets with Adam. I don't know. Maybe I, I think we maybe could. maybe Thumb won't be invited. It's, you know, I only have three. Okay, um, it's me, Bob. Who and wasn't Schlereth. at the last show? I gotta just say, <laughs> oh. out of all the people here, yeah, but I was invited. Were you? You, you okay. missed the great boat conversation. I, I mean, know. He, he <laughs> might not be invited next time. He didn't show up last time. It was a golden moment you missed there. <laughs> Yeah. If I were yeah. if I were thinking, I would have pulled my phone out and just recorded the back and forth between those yeah. two because it's hard to explain. But by the yeah. way, speaking of Adam Ray, I watched The Heat last night. It's good, right? It's really good, and Adam Ray does a fantastic villain. Yeah, he does in, a nice job that in that. He gets shot. Spoiler alert! But yeah, uh, I guess he won't be in the sequel. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he did. He did a nice job he in that. Really did. And he had more than just a little bit, you know, one line or anything. He was that was good. Yeah, that's very was, good. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll talk to we'll see if uh, Schlereth is planning on coming to Seattle if or if they were just messing around. But uh, he'll be with us at three o'clock today, and then El Hombre. We'll see what kind of mood El Hombre is in at five o'clock as a hardcore Philadelphia guy. And I saw some pictures of you know people tearing the streets up and climbing poles and tipping cars and some of that before the game. Uh, but yeah, some were just not handling the loss well, as you might imagine. Well, do people cr- climb poles then? Did they have to get the pole greaser out? I get. I saw a picture of some guy at the top of the pole. I don't know how he got up there, but he was there. In protest. Are, yeah. I don't, I don't know what he's protesting. What, what are they doing? What are you doing? Why you, Why would you tear up your own city? I feel like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, tear everything apart. And then, you know, the next day you go down and, oh, I can't get any groceries because the window's smashed. Yeah, in. it's like well, breaking stuff in your own house because yeah. you feel like your team got screwed. I'm going to smash my TV. I'm right. going to break my remote. I'll you know, tear my couch open. It's like. Who are you teaching a lesson to? Nobody's nobody's suffering from this except for you. We did have a Seahawk fan uh, text in. This is 2012 <laughs> when the Seahawks uh, missed when they lost to Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, yeah. And told the story about how he ripped his TV off the wall and threw it on the ground. I'm like, yeah, so I guess dumb. I can kind of understand, but don't set your house on fire. Yeah, I, listen, I've been there. I've done. I punched the arm of my couch, and it oh, turned it into a V. In. <laughs> it just turned into a V, and then I sat there going. That's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Oh, yeah. How stupid is now my couch is screwed up and my team still lost? Or actually, it was my fight. It was during a fight. I still have a fist mark in my uh, my double doors that close my bedroom. That's so dumb. In the yeah, moment, it feels like I it, need to do this. And then, you know what? I'm to the point now where when I get that urge, I'm like, okay, I know I could stop this, but it's just going to feel good. It's going to yeah. feel good. But then and, you walk away going, yeah, I'm that was dumb. Yeah, I got to patch that now. You've got a punching bag in your house, don't you? Yeah, we do. Well, Bob, sometimes I can't go, you know, by the time I get down there, it's you'll, in the garage. You'll be, cooled I'll off. be okay. I got to hit something now. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Probably, I got to have right? it right at my disposal <laughs> right there. Oh, that's so good. Well, you know, maybe maybe bottle that anger till you can get down to the garage and then you can just, you know, take it out on the on the heavy bag and get a workout in at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. Felt Everybody wins. All right. So we talked a lot about the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, and Every year, the, the Super Bowl winner, you analyze the team. Well, what do they do to get there? What, how do they put their team together? What are their coaches? What do they have to work with? And you sort of compare it to what you've got with your favorite team. When in, in our situation, the Seahawks looking at them and, you know, how do the Chiefs do this? And what, what, do, the, what do the Seahawks need to do to sort of match? They, they, the Super Bowl winner becomes the model. Right. Whether it should be that way or not, it worked for them. It, everybody's unique. But right. when, when you look at that team, is there one thing that stands out to you and you go, 
boy, if the Seahawks could do that, or if they had a version of that player, or if they had a coordinator that did this or that, is there anything you look at the Chiefs and say, that's what the Seahawks should try to implement in their system? Actually, yes. And, you know, and that typically there's not like a, a lot of, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to build a team. And you know, I, I actually, I thank God that the Niners didn't win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy because that would have been a whole new thing. Like, oh, you just get a quarterback in the It would have been like running backs. Round. Yeah, exactly. And just plug them in. And that's the kind of system. And those are the kind of coaches that we need and things like that. But the one thing, you know, we we talked about how – lucrative the draft was for the Seahawks there was only two guys that didn't play Tyreek Smith mm-hmm. was a guy that we actually interviewed and I really liked from Ohio State defensive end but was hurt all year he got hurt all year and then oh. Bo Melton ended up getting cut I think and then he got picked up by somebody yeah you're right I can't remember who it was it might have been like the Jets or Baltimore but he was he was actually teammates with a Isaiah Pacheco and so the reason why I bring up Isaiah Pacheco he was a seventh rounder Yep. For the Kansas City Chiefs, and if you go back and look at their last couple drafts, Creed Humphrey, who is the you know an offensive lineman that's really good, Nick Bolton, who could have been the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl in twenty twenty one, he was their second round pick. Um, Joshua Kanda, uh, Noah Gray, Cornell Powell, these guys aren't recognizable, but they're all on the team, and they all contributed mm-hmm. at least some games. And then you look at their rookies this year. Um, they had every single rookie contribute at least one, at least one game. So, yeah, there was uh, there was some interesting things going on uh, with their draft, and they had a really good draft. They really did. So, yeah, that was uh, that was one thing that I think that the Seahawks can you know uh, duplicate, and that's that's the kind of thing that uh, and most of their guys, their rookies this year played like eleven, twelve. There was only one player, Darian Kennard, that only played in one play. But you look at all the games that they, all the production they got out of their rookies. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think you know that's the one thing that is sort of staring the Seahawks in the face right now. That draft last year, and then going forward with this one, where you have what four or five picks in the top fifty-seven, I think it is. So yeah, this is. Uh, I think that's that's one of the ways you do build it. And you know, for having all these rookies that contributed, and these guys aren't huge stars. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco was a huge star. Uh, Trent McDuffie actually played really well. He's a corner for them. That was their first rounder. Karlaftis, defensive end. You love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> George Karlaftis, uh, the third. He's got the long hair, right? Uh, Doesn't I, he? I know he's from Purdue. I don't I think that's the long hair one. I don't think he has long the hair. The long hair one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one but, guy with the long hair. The punter? He's got the long no, hair. No, yeah. I think they've got a linebacker that's got long hair, okay. too. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, I mean, over the last couple of years, they've gotten lots of production out of their draft, and that's something that the Seahawks really have a great opportunity with, with the trade for Russell Wilson and, you know, the ap- actual, you know, draft picks that they have that are kicking back in now that the uh, Jamal Adams trade is over. Well, Andrew Brandt, an old uh, old friend, used to talk to him way back in the day when he first got out of the front office of the Packers, and he's, he's become that voice of a you know the mind of a GM and how these deals work, really informational stuff. He was on with Brock and Salt, and there the, when you've got a quarterback situation like the Seahawks do and like some other teams do, the question becomes how much can you pay them and still put together a competitive product? Can you afford to pay them X percentage of the salary cap and still? fill the holes. And I know every team's got different holes to fill, certainly. Uh, but here's here's Andrew just talking about 
the idea that you can still pay your quarterback and have a good team. Think about football these days. You got 50 to 70% of your roster is on rookie contracts, first four years, right? So give them a conservative million-dollar cap figure for each of those guys. So now you've got over half your roster counting about $30 million cap. So now you've got $190 million to deal with the rest of your roster. And again, I can't say this strongly enough. It's not paying your quarterback $40 million that gets you in cap trouble. That is not what gets any of these teams in cap trouble. What gets teams in cap trouble is bad deals that go south, paying the wrong guys, having so much dead money in your cap for deals that didn't work out. And, you know, this is not the issue. It's never the issue whether you can pay a quarterback and build a good roster around it. Now, maybe sometimes the quarterback could be the bad contract. Yeah. You know, you might look at the Raiders. They were in a situation where they had to cut Carr or they were going to be on the hook for 40 plus million. I still, I think they still take a, what is it, a a 29.3, 26 something salary cap hit. I'll find the exact number, but they still take a fairly nice hit. By releasing him. Well, and then the Broncos. I'll let them know in take two if you want to tease ahead. Oh, there you go. okay. There we Stay go. Stay tuned. Stay well, tuned for take two. Well, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that. I don't Research know. I don't know will why, stop right now. I don't know why you, uh, you're you jumping ahead like this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> for your own sake. It's if you look down a little bit, you'll find yeah. it, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I, I would say that, like, Russell Wilson was a bad deal. And, and I would also say, unfortunately, Jamal Adams is, you know, and, and it not because he's a bad player, but he's talking about dead, you know, cap money that, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting anything out of. And unfortunately, because of injuries, that's yeah. that's something that happens. So, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is considered that way. He didn't get him to the playoffs, you know, and they're paying him, what, $50 million. Yeah, I would say so, that doesn't look great. But yeah, that's that's not I mean, it's not like they he sucks and they're they're you know, just awful. They missed the playoffs by one game. But if you're spending that much, yeah, it's but yeah, to his point, you know, and I think he's looking at it really, you know, basically, but it kind of supports what we were just talking about with Kansas City and, you know, what the Seahawks have going. If you look at, you know, half your roster is on some kind of a you know rookie deal or minimum deal, you're looking at, you know, maybe 30, 40, high end $50 million. You're paying half your team. Yeah. Yeah, some of the texts coming in, again, you guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We're talking about what can the Seahawks glean from the Chiefs? What do they do that the, you look at the Seahawks and go, you should do that more often? Now, some were yeah. stating the obvious. They said, just get Reed, Mahomes, and Kelsey, and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, yeah, that's obviously, there's there's only so much you can do. Uh, but a lot of people are talking about the creativity of the offense, I think they've got the pieces that allow them to do that. I don't know if the Seahawks have the, you know, the line had two rookies and a new center. You you had questions before. I I didn't mind them not being overly aggressive with the, the illusion of complexity. Mm-hmm. I think you had to figure out, all right, can Gino play? We don't know. We're going to find out if he can lead this team. We got two rookie tackles and a new center. We got a rookie running back now. So you're I, saying they might have toned it down. Yeah, and I, I don't yeah. blame them. I, right. I think it would probably work against them with that much inexperience and that much those, that number of questions to go, all right, now we're going to run this, we're going to do this deception, we're going to have the, you know, to do what the Chiefs do and do a ring around the rosy coming out of the huddle, I think is uh, probably not to their benefit. Now maybe this year, now that they've got some answers to those questions, maybe they could get more creative with it. Right. So, yeah, I, 
I think the biggest mistake that that people make fans are that you try to too closely emulate you know whoever just won the Super Bowl. And like I said, I, I thought it would have been a disaster if uh, you know if if uh, San Francisco had won with Brock Purdy. It would have been like, oh, let, let's do this, let's do that. But you know, it's it, everything. By the way, Paul Moyer, he's he was telling me how you know if a couple of plays go this way, the the Eagles blow out the Chiefs, and you know, and we'll get him on on Thursday when we have the John Schneider Show. That's right, Thursday. the debut of the yeah. John Schneider Show this Thursday, and we'll be live at the VMAC. I've been told. Yeah, how about that? It'll be on video. Am I right, Mike? Yeah, it will yeah. be. Are you going to come down there? No, I don't think so. You're not allowed down there. Not allowed down there. <laughs> Have you ever Only been once there? a year. Only allowed on draft weekend. Oh, draft weekend. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we'll get a chance to talk to him about he that. He doesn't go unless they're going to promise free food. Yeah, only when there's food down there. <laughs> that's a good point. He did you spend know, a... It just kind of coincided that way, but you're right. Exorbitant amount of time in the kitchen area when we were out there. Yeah. The Where's Lefko? He's yeah. in the kitchen. Uh, but, yeah, well, I'll... I, I agree with Paul. That's probably true, but isn't that true in most games? Well, yeah. if that if that play had gone this way, yeah. if this guy had done this, then we're looking at a different outcome. Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think uh, his point was let's not crown Kansas City, you know, the greatest team of the decade and things like that. But but you're absolutely right. Yeah, things go one way, other. You know, if they don't get this, they don't get that. But um, it just that's just the way the game. And that's what is cool about how, you know, a team that's probably lesser with talent, and I'm not saying that the Chiefs are, but maybe across the board in some of those areas. Think about that. I mean, that hold by Bradbury, that, you know, that is just something you don't even think think about if it happens in the first quarter, the second right. quarter, or whatever. So, yeah, but I, I think... fumble by Hurts that turns into a touchdown? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, any of these players. Well, right. if he didn't fumble, then we're looking at it. There's a seven-point swing right there. Well, and then if you're Kansas City, you could say that second fumble was on the ground, and they should have given that to him. Yeah. I'm encouraged about, just to wrap up this conversation, is that if you go and look at what they're getting out of their young guys, and I know that uh, John Schneider, and we'll ask him about it, because we'll ask him about the Super Bowl and, you know, that whole thinking of what's the formula. But I think he likes the the uh, GM for the Chiefs, uh, Brett Veach, I think is his name. And um, he does a really good job. And if you look at the drafts that, that they've done, when you can get that contribution out of those young guys right away, man, it's just it's just awesome. And there was, there was a few years there with the Seahawks, and they just weren't getting much out of their – now, a lot of it because they had a competitive roster. But it sure is nice to see the young guys just – you know, coming on and, you know, the especially like the middle to the back part, a, a guy like, um, you know, Derek Young. I mean, the fact that he is playing really well and you got him in the, what, seventh round? Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's contributing in some meaningful way is, is pretty awesome. And that's what you saw the Chiefs do. All right, let's take two. The Eagles have officially lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators because the Colts uh, introduced Shane Steichen today as their new head coach, while the Cardinals announced that they have hired Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. That's the key. You go in, you lose a Super Bowl, your defense falls apart in the second half, and by God, you're a head coach. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, of course. I, they got to the Super Bowl, one of the best defenses in the league. It was not a good second half, but... Uh, you know, good luck to these guys. New names, so that that part's good. That it's not a you know, with all due respect, a retread. A, you know, somebody who's been hired in four different spots, st- still yeah. waiting on 
Eric Bieniemy, the guy who's who. Well, you know, I was going to bring that up because I think a lot of people will say, first of all, I know that Andy Reid does not want him to go anywhere, but I'll bet you he champions him. Oh, yeah. You know, and so I think a lot of people are going to get up in arms, but I don't know that he's necessarily an, a head coach. Some guys just aren't. Tom Catlin, I've told you, Rusty Tillman. So, um, yeah, well, I think. But they got opportunities. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, look, I don't know. But are we thinking that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten opportunities? Oh, I don't know why he hasn't gotten the opportunity. I don't know why he hasn't been hired. Well, maybe, maybe he has he's... gotten opportunities. I mean, we don't really know if he's interviewed, right? Oh, he's interviewed over the years. Yeah, he's interviewed multiple times. Okay, so he's times. gotten so he's gotten opportunities. Yeah, I'm just saying he hasn't been hi- given the opportunity. All right, bring him in. Let's see what he can do. Kind of opportunity. Oh, he hasn't so, been hired. Is what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah I'm just so saying he's getting the opportunities, and I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even want to be. Uh, I don't know, but I think you know maybe, maybe he he's not a good interview. I don't. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have that quality. Maybe he wants to be the <laughs> offensive coordinator in Kansas City, and they can pay him as much as they want. Right. You know, so maybe that's that's one of the situations there. But I don't know the interaction and the mention from Andy Reid about Eric Bieniemy. He was kind of he kind of came off as the star of the show. Mm. Well, as expected before tomorrow's deadline to pay him 40 million. The Raiders have instead released Derek Carr. So they'll eat up nearly uh, six million. It's a six million dollar dead cap hit. But they do save just under 30 million. And Carr is now free to sign uh, at any time with whatever team he wants. Yeah, I was I was reading the article after we brought it up and they were saving 29 point whatever million. I thought that's what the hit was. So $6 million cap hit. Okay, so now we'll see. I think it's it's such a smart move and an, and an obvious move for Carr and his agent, I'm sure, because they get a they get a jump on the competition. He's out there. The other teams are figuring out, all right, what's going on with Lamar Jackson? What's going on with the New York Jets? What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? He's free to talk to anybody he wants, free to sign with anybody he wants. I wonder if uh, other quarterbacks and people around the league are taking note of what happened here in Seattle with Geno getting an opportunity and the coach, maybe it's just the coach. Maybe Derek Carr hasn't gotten that kind of. We talked about that with Drew Locke and Mark mm. Schlereth that, you know, whether it was in college or, you know, at in the pro level, you just didn't have the right kind of guy. And if Derek Carr maybe gets hooked up with somebody that makes sense to him, maybe he's back to, to being an all pro. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, how do the Seahawks replicate what the Chiefs did on their offensive line? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. <laughs> I missed that one, Dave. Dave saying we're getting some creative responses on the creative. text. Disgusting. Disgusting. I didn't see that one. But uh, people sharing their Valentine's Day experiences, and some have gone smoothly. Apparently others have found humor in odd ways. Mm-hmm. I guess if they're both on board, Dave, it's all fair. <laughs> it's all fair as long as they're both just, playing the same game. <laughs> just get get the the name of the show right. Yeah, Wyman and Bob. That's right. With Mike Lefko. <laughs> 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. All right. So taking a look at, at what the Seahawks uh, could glean from the Chiefs. Let me ask you this. One one question we didn't get to, and we maybe we'll get, it up, get to it later as well. But 
Anything off the top of your head, and texters can add to this as well. Is there anything that you look at with the Seahawks and say, they do this or have better than the Chiefs in this position group? Or this this is something that that they have the advantage? Just personnel, scheme, coaching, anywhere? Yeah, you know what? Well, I think, first of all, I think they have a really good defensive coordinator. Spagnolo do, does a, a super job of keeping everything simple so that his players can just play with their hair on fire. So, you know, and look, I know that they have a bunch of really smart coaches, the Seahawks do on defense. It's just a matter of getting them there. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's one thing I'd say right off the top of my head. Uh, that it's hard to argue they, with what Bienemy's done, man. Like, yeah, Bienemy. I mean, five AFC title games in a row. Well, and also two Super Bowls. You know, wins. I talked about this is one where it was really about scheme, about how you know they they had the deep sail where he stops and goes back the other way. You know, some of the motions and things. I mean, I'm just assuming that that's the offensive coordinator. So, yeah. so yeah, they they did more things I thought it, it was noticeable to me. And typically I just go, oh, well, that's a good play. But, man, they, there was a lot of really good design that I thought that obviously came from Eric. It's not obvious, but, I mean, typically your offensive coordinator does that. Yeah, the, but, the, the one that jumped out to me would be receivers. Yeah. Yeah, they have Kelsey, which obviously trumps any tight end, with all due respect to the Noah fan, sure. Will Disley. But Travis Kelsey is the best in the league. Sure is. So – that's an obvious one. Obviously, but, you have Mahomes, but, but I, I would I would say DK and and Tyler would be the advantage they have. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. You could maybe say running back. I mean, Pacheco wasn't up for rookie of the year, and Ken Walker was. Yeah, no, that's know? fair. That so one's fair. We could say you know running back probably, and then you know if our safeties were entirely healthy, I would always tout them. But you know, Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen's probably. Yeah. Yeah, they had a they had a rookie that played corner as yeah. well. So I think yeah. he got burned on that one where he got kind of turned around. Yeah. Where um, Yep. Where it was like just kind of thrown up for grabs. But yeah. What about O line? Because that's what we're looking at with the O so here's what the, the Chiefs have done after they, they lost in the twenty twenty one Super Bowl. They signed their left guard, Joe Tooney, to a five year eighty million dollar deal. They traded uh, in 2021 first, third, and fourth round pick for the Ravens' uh, left tackle, Orlando Brown. And they drafted their center, Creed Humphrey, in the second round and right guard, Trey Smith, in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. So, they, they, I mean, they made a concerted effort to address the O-line. Uh, and we had Big Ray on yesterday. We were talking about that. He talked about their guards and center and how much credit they deserve. Especially in the middle the sacks come off the second move. If you're not Aaron Donald or Chris Johnson, like normally the sacks are coming off the, your second move as a defensive tackle. Well, their guard, the guards and the centers were doing a good job of shutting it down the entire length of the pass play. So it seemed like he was back there forever, you know, having time to run. So I was super impressed by it. it was It was so impressive because I kept waiting for Riddick. I'm like, he's going to do something right here. He's going to force a fumble. But it's a great battle by the Chiefs offensive line. You know, Alex Gibbs uh, is a coach that was here for a little while um, and actually is kind of the running guru. Uh, he's the offensive line coach that Mark Schlereth had in, in Denver. Oh, in Denver. Yeah. In, okay. he, was no, he with that, Washington? I, I thought I'm, I'm thinking of Joe Gibbs, obviously. Joe Gibbs, but. yeah. Alex Gibbs was – I don't know if he was there. I don't think so. But then when he came to, to Denver, and, and but one of his sayings was – 
you know what? Give me a tackle. You can get a bum off the highway to play guard or whatever. <laughs> and it was just kind of a little joke. But I'd say the the one thing that's really encouraging for the Seahawks, uh, another, you know, one little area, you got two tackles that are young and played really well. Very excited about those two. Yeah. So, I mean, and those are the harder players to find. Right. You know, and I, I, guards and, and look, they're, if you have like a solid center or a really solid guard, yeah, I mean, it's 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 huge. But, I mean, the tackles are just so much more important. So I, having that out of the way, I feel like between who they have, you know, whether it's Phil Haynes, who they pick or who they get in free agency, they can put together. I mean, look, I'll just take four-fifths. Okay, of, of, you know, say, hey, we're solid at four, maybe the, the one guard or maybe the center is a little bit shaky. Maybe they re-sign Austin Blythe and, you know, just say, hey, we're going to get two big guards to help him out, you know, and as Ray always talks about. But I, I think the good news is that you got those two tackles and they look very promising. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm excited about what those two are going to be. My, my concerns are what's inside of them mm-hmm. um, and, you know. Ray Ray addressed this as well, just talking about kind of the point that gets proven every year in the Super Bowl and just the value of your O-line. Every uh, playoffs, it proves that, man, if you don't invest in your offensive line and if they don't show up in those meaningful moments, then you're not going to go anywhere. And uh, they showed up last night for a team. Uh, they were playing against a defense that had four guys with 10-plus sacks. Uh, Riddick had had uh, two-and-a-half or three sacks coming into this game with a forced fumble. Uh, it had seventy over seventy sacks in the regular season as a as a team. So uh, I thought that offensive line did a spectacular job of keeping the pocket as clean as possible. And then you know, obviously Mahomes, even on his uh, you know bad ankle, made some plays to not get sacked as well. So I thought they did a spectacular job. Who was it that kept calling Mahomes Gumby? Was that Terry Bradshaw or was it Boomer? I don't know. <laughs> Chris Berman. Anyway. Uh, it does help that you have him back there and that he's pretty creative. Yeah, that's, a, that's a little bit of a help, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, yeah. But, you know, I thought Gino did a good job in the pocket. I mean, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not, you know, Russell Wilson or anything like that. But he did a good job of throwing under pressure. There was a couple of times where one was a touchdown to Will Disley against the Broncos where he got hit as he was throwing. And, you know, it's kind of like when you get a real pesky – guy to you know put him on michael jordan and he's just constantly hand checking him and touching him and do you know that's that's hard to to concentrate when that stuff is going on and when you're getting hit and it's constantly you know the the pockets getting collapsed and you're still able to deliver the throw i'd say that's the the one talent that gino has that might be better than patrick mahomes but patrick mahomes obviously just magical when it comes to finding an area and then throwing the ball any way possible that he can yeah, people texting in uh, the kicker and punter for the Seahawks have the advantage over the... Oh, gee, thanks for that. <laughs> and another one basically saying they don't have the advantage anywhere. <laughs> so uh, on the O-line, they were talking about the O-line and, and what the Chiefs have done and where the Seahawks are currently at. I anywhere would, on the O-line or just yeah, anywhere? Uh, O-line. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And and part of that is you got two rookies who are growing into their spots, and they played really well this year. Not right. mistake-free, but they played really darn well. And I'm the biggest critic of the O-line out there, and I, I was really pleased with what they did this year. Now, I've got a different opinion on Austin Blythe than you do, and I think we'll find out how they feel about him. He's out there to be had. He signed a one-year deal, so do they bring him back, or do they go, all right, let's 
let's address this in a different way. Do they do it in the draft? Do they? We'll we'll figure out what they do. But I didn't love him. I didn't. I, I Gabe Jackson for me has been a bit disappointing since he's been here. I think he's had moments where he's looked pretty decent, but a lot of moments you're going, I, I'm not seeing the guy that was so highly touted coming out of Oakland. We were hearing about him being one of the best guards in the league, and I just I don't feel like that's happened here in Seattle. And and I think Lewis had a better year than he had the previous year. I wouldn't say it was a standout. He hasn't quite lived up to what I think we thought we were going to see after his rookie year. We're both yeah. so excited, and then he made the switch, and we kind of qualify. All right, he made the switch. It was harder than we thought. And then this year, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was terrible. I thought he was he was okay. Yeah, it's just so hard to judge those guys. You know, like what is it that makes you think that? You know, I mean, it's it, it just kind of as the season goes, you sort of little things creep in. You know, you don't see anything spectacular from him. You see pressure. Yeah, just you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I I guess I just in general feel like that's the way though that they could upgrade the most. Yeah. Is that, and I just saw a lot of really like promising, cool things. And check with Ray on the offensive tackles, especially. And there was a couple of plays that he's like, "Yeah, I saw that man. It was it was a great adjustment by him." And you know, so but there's not that same like excitement when you talk about the guards. Um, early on, I thought Austin Blythe was like so smart that like you have to have him because he does a really good job of helping Gino with the fronts and everything. And maybe, maybe they can keep him if they get two big nasty guards. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how they address the middle of that line. We heard KJ's talk about what he was terrified or horrified by the interior <laughs> of the O line and the D line. He's not K- KJ's been disrespectful though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he and, said that by the way, he's like, yeah, I've been a little bit disrespectful. I kind of enjoy it though. Uh, before we hit the break here, uh, Matt Mercer Island says, OMG, Dave, you really need a solid and super smart center on the O-line. That's your general in the trenches. So just educating you, Matt is. Yeah, thank so, you so much, Matt. Well, we got a really <laughs> super smart guy. I mean, he is. I mean, that's, that's I think, the, the one problem with Austin Blythe is maybe he needs a little sand in his shorts. All right, coming up, uh, there are a handful of new rule changes you need to be aware of, of this for this upcoming baseball season. We'll get into those. Which ones may have the bigger impact? Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. Coming up at 3 o'clock today, we'll speak with Mark Schlereth. Talk some uh, football with him. Maybe our final appearance for a little bit. Maybe he could join us here and there. We'll see if he's actually going to come to Seattle to see Adam Ray, perhaps. Or maybe that was just... Maybe that was just kooky talk from Adam. Who knows? <laughs> As Kramer says. Uh, yeah. So, and uh, can I tell the story about this, what we're about to talk about? Yeah. About yeah. me asking the oldest people in the room. I hope you weren't <laughs> offended, Lefko. But, you know, when we get Well, to- no, it was good. I thought you clarified I wasn't one of the oldest in the room. So that yeah. felt great. I just asked the old guys to please explain this to me, how <laughs> it's going to be. And the reason why is because I wanted as few words as possible. Oh. So... Because well, you my, should never ask me. And it's well, exactly. I, I know that too about many you, words, Mike. and it's not a bad thing because I say it to my wife all the time. She'll tell me a story. I'm like too 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 many words. Too many too many words. <laughs> Just cut it down. Brevity. Let's so condense this. We're obviously talking about the shift and the ban of the shift and the rules and the repercussions. By the way, how does she take that when you say it? Does she totally just roll uh, with it, or does she get? 
I could see that going poorly. She, she just gives me the you're being a bleep uh, look, you know, and that's that's too many it. words. Too many words. No, I she got a word takes for you. Well. Yeah. Here's one word. Here's one. I got one. a Matt Brash finger for you. Yeah, exactly. You're number one. Uh, yeah. So we we're talking about the the rules that have come out, and and there was an article on ESPN that kind of goes through each one and says, right. you know, here's the new rule. Here's how it's going to be enforced. Uh, what they're trying to change, what it means, you know, what it's meant in the minors, because a lot of this has already been tried out at the minor league level. Right. So, you, we, you know, and what players are saying, they've got, it's pretty cool. It's it's a pretty interesting look. The reality is with any of these, we'll figure it out when we see it. I mean, there's there's yeah. no, here's exactly what's going to happen. Averages are going to skyrocket because there's no shift, or, you know, they're not going to skyrocket. It, I, I feel like it's going to be somewhere in between, but none of us know. Everybody's Everybody's doing their best to sort of guess what it's going to mean and how it's going to look out there. And we saw pictures of the new bases, and I, I think it might have been um, might have been Cora that said it looks like a pizza box. Yeah, the, out there they're three inches bigger. Yeah, it's cool to look at it. I mean, because it's all the way around, right? Or is it is it just two inches on each side? I'm yeah, well, they set the they set the old base on top of yeah. it, and it kind of sits comfortably in the middle. Oh of yeah. It. Yeah, so, so it looks like, you know, how many times do we see when there's an instant replay or a challenge or whatever? Yeah, that looks like it could but, be a big deal, but maybe when we're here at the end of the season going, yeah, the base thing wasn't really, yeah. we kind of forgot about that. Or, you know what I mean? It, it, everything feels like new and different and, oh, wow, what's this going to be like? And then fast forward to the end of the season, we might be sitting here going, average just didn't really go crazy. And uh, yeah, there were a couple hits certainly, but nothing that look right. that different well it should just all be relative right <laughs> I yeah mean, every team should it's not like the mariners are going to get any kind of special you know if you have good base runners and then you're, yeah you're going to have better numbers it'll just be more action i feel like but yeah yeah the the one thing that kind of threw me off a little bit was you know how it's going to be enforced but on the shift on the shift basically which is the biggest thing right well i, th- I actually thought uh brent put it the best way it's like declining a penalty in football so it's saying oh that's the violation yeah yeah so at the time of the pitch when it's thrown all four infielders are required to be on the infield dirt or infield grass if it's yeah if it's grass but on the infield with two on either side of second base right so they'll be as soon as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand they can move right so hypothetically jp crawford the second you know uh, uh luis castillo releases the ball he could run over to the to the right side if he wants, you know, if, if that's their plan. But when, when that pitch, before the pitch is released, you got to have both guys on either side of second base, and they've got to be on the infield grass or dirt. Um, and then the the penalty, so how it's going to be enforced. So the hitting, say the hitting team, they, they violate it, right? Somehow they, JP leaves early, and he's on the other side before the pitch is released, and the batter comes up with a base hit. Well, then it stands. It stands, yeah. They can they can elect to uh, you know basically say we're going to decline the penalty yeah <laughs> right but if the play has any other outcome like it's a it's a strikeout or it's a it's a sacrifice or what have you uh, the hitting team can decide to either accept it which would add a ball to the hitter's count or decline it and the play would stand so in the case of a hit obviously you're going to stick with the play if it's anything else you're going to say well let's add the ball to the count. Yeah, essentially, so he, depending on the situation. And so he goes back up to yeah. the, the plate. And yeah, so <laughs> if it's two and one, the count's now three and one. Right. You know, So you're going to see somebody get thrown out, 
and there's a violation, and then all of a sudden see that person walk back to the home plate. Yeah, and then they'll add a ball and, to the and count. And get a ball on the count. Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah, it's just going to take a little bit of getting used to. And I'm, I'm also curious of, like, is it going to get down to the point where guys are fudging it? You know, like, when does the ball release the yeah, pitcher's is hand? Be, is it replay? Yeah. Is it going to be, I don't know. That's See, that's what we're all going to find out together. And is there going to be, like, an imaginary line? I mean, it, they were talking about making it go off of the base, like, different ways in the very beginning but now it's like right down the middle yeah so you know there's going to be some imaginary line out there that you're going to have to you know figure out how to work so yeah it's uh it's just interesting the way that they worded it though i was like whoa, whoa hold on a minute here okay well the, the part that that's interesting is just looking uh you know what they're trying to change in this this column and there's a bunch of different rules we'll get to later in the show but uh, as far as this one, what they're trying to change, the league-wide batting average was down to 243 in the 2022 season. That's the lowest since 1968. How about that? Wow. A lot. It's incredible. Yeah, and then they said lack of singles in particular is at the heart of the decline with the 2022 rate of 5.33 per team, the third lowest in MLB history in 2021 and 2020 seasons, filling the two spots ahead of it on the all-time list. Yeah, I hate to get technical on this, but like the average was down to 243 average of starters or just league wide batting average. Just Just entire everybody. Yeah, Yeah, league wide. That's the average. Okay, whether you had one bat or 100 bats, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. How about that, though? Since 1968. Unbelievable. I mean, I was four then. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll get in. There's the you know we'll talk. Bob pitch was clock. negative seventeen, <laughs> something like that. We'll talk about the bigger bay. We'll get into all the other uh, other rule changes that they've they've got out there that we'll have in store for the season. Meanwhile, it's our last regular season appearance with him. Maybe he'll join us coming up for the draft. We'll see what we can get done. But Mark Slareth will join us next to put a cap on the football season here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on Seven Ten.